What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast, episode 24. So let's get the timestamp out the way, as I do for you guys on every episode. Today is Tuesday, August 17th. And let's get this out of the way. We're going to try something new. So if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Bleeding BNG, Bleeding Burgundy, and Gold, because we aim to be your number one content hub for everything Washington football team. So we have our podcast platform, we have our social media pages and be sure to comment like and subscribe on youtube all right guys so we got to touch some housekeeping notes before i get into our preview against the cincinnati Bengals. so remember guys as i said last week we're getting into we're getting into game reps you know us washington football team podcasters we got to have our game reps like the like the football team in preseason so we're getting used to how we're going to i'm getting used to how i'm going to be pushing out content during the season so be looking for two episodes a week i didn't get a chance to push a recap episode of the Washington football team's loss against the New England Patriots onto my own platform, onto my YouTube channel and things like that. But I actually got a chance to recap that game with Big Doug and the Big Douglas show. Um, he has it over there with his guy, Big uh, rapper Big Pew from Little Brother. And I had an amazing time. So be sure to check that out on his page and all, all podcast platforms as well, the Big Douglas show. Thank you for having me on your show, Doug. I had an amazing time. We got to chop it up. And everything that you need to know about my thoughts on the Washington football team team loss against the New England Patriots, you can go tap into that episode. I'll give you one thing right now, though. Dustin Hopkins must have the Wilkinson report. He must have the real Wilkinson report because I don't know how he still has a job. We've been going through this for Dustin Hopkins going on seven years now, and yeah, I'm just going to leave that there because today is episode 24, and we're looking forward. So like I said, guys, we're going to be doing a preview um, of what to look for against the Cincinnati Bengals. It is preseason week two, so remember, guys, there are only three preseason games this year as the NFL has changed their rules to have more regular season games and less preseason games. So it's one more preseason game after this preseason game against the Cincinnati Bengals, which will be at home, which I will be in attendance. I cannot wait. Um, but yeah, so um, some housekeeping notes that we need to touch on first. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot of ruckus and a lot of noise based off the uh, making the brand episode that the Washington football team dropped yesterday um, on Monday, um, early in the week, where actually uh, team president Jason Wright was sitting down in a in a content scripted video with Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew, and he per se, I don't know if he really did, um, but he believed that um, it was believed that he announced the three names that the team has dwindled down to uh, for the new unveiling, which is said to be unveiled in 2022, and it caused a ruckus among the Twitter world. Um, and I actually made my name uh, yesterday. Uh, with some of the tweets that I was putting out in the Twitterverse. So, guys, Bleeding B&G, we're rising up in the Washington football team community. If you haven't noticed, we're on your favorite podcaster, favorite podcasters episodes. We're collabing with guys on YouTube, on other podcast platforms and things like that. We're pushing out this content. So, remember, be sure to subscribe and tap into everything Bleeding B&G because we're looking to be your number one hub Washington football team. Mentioning that, um, actually, the tweet that I made regarding the um, Washington the football teams making the brand episode um, and I'll insert it here for my Twitter fan I mean for my YouTube fan watching this on YouTube so you can see the tweet it was actually talked about on the B Mitch and Friendly show today on um, 106.7 the fan now this listen let's, let's consider our source here this is from ble at bleeding BNG this this uh, this person is a huge Washington football team fan I've communicated with this person 
on uh, on Twitter. We've gone back and forth a few times. Seems like a nice enough person. I don't know the name, so forgive me. Um, but this is at Bleeding BNG, and take from this what you want, Landfill. At Bleeding BNG says, I've watched this video entirely too many times. Commanders, Wolves, and Washington football team slash club were definitely the three names Jason mentioned. Both Jason and Ron are really liking Commanders. And before you ask, yes, I am a professional lip reader. This was very exciting for me. I actually was walking into the car from the gas station, and my first, I caught the middle of the segment, and the first thing I heard was my Twitter name. And I was like, whoa! Am I in, like, the ozone? Like, literally, I turned on the ignition to my car, and they were like, hey, that bleeding B&G says such and such. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what they got? They got the drop on me. They got the drop on me. And that's how I felt. But he was actually discussing my tweet where I actually said that it looked to me as if Jason Wright had mentioned the names Wolves, the, the name Commanders, and the name Washington football team as the final three options. Washington football team slash club because I couldn't decipher as the final three options that the team has dwindled down on. And I just gave my opinion and I said that it seems as if um, Jason Wright and Ron Rivera, based off you know me reading their lips and their jaw movements and things like that, it seems as if they both really like the name Commander. Now, it may be a reach. You know, I was being a bit sarcastic when I said I was a professional lip reader. I am not that. I am not that in, in, in any means by any shape or form. That was straight sarcasm, but they did seem to think that on the radio. And I'm just gonna go ahead, go on and roll with it. Hey, if you want me to be a professional lip reading expert, hey, that's what we can do. We do everything at Bleeding BNG. We push out Washington football team content and we read lips. That's what we do. So shout out to B Mitch and Finley. I, I look up to you guys. I aspire with you guys. I've actually had a chance to chop it up with JP as he mentioned in the segment, which I'll be dropping for my YouTube fam as well. Um, but I really appreciate um, you giving me the platform and things like that and then guys our segment with lake lewis my guy from the washington football team b actually dropped on his um platform the after um, practice podcast but it's also dropped on youtube so i dropped it on my page i actually got the chance to do that segment with my guy rio robinson over from rambling about washington so those are a few housekeeping notes that i really wanted to touch on the last one oh shout out to lake lewis i really appreciate the platform i really appreciate the opportunity one of the coolest people on the washington football team beat so i really go check that out it's some dope content in there and i actually give my prediction of what is going to go down for the entirety of the washington football team season in that prediction in that segment so please go ahead and check that out because there's some gems dropped in that episode trust me it was a lot of gems dropped in that episode and the last thing that i wanted to touch on this is actually going to be a short episode not i'm going to run through these points really quick of what i want you guys to look at through the preseason week two against the cincinnati Bengals. because i remember i want you guys I want you guys to use Bleeding Burgundy and Gold as your guide for everything Washington football team. I want the novice football fan to listen to this podcast and be able what to look for on Friday night as we get set to take the field at FedEx Field. But the reason that this podcast is going to be a tad bit shorter is that I'm actually set to join my guy Slapping Tables Corey, Corey Sanchez, on the On the Warpath um, live stream on YouTube tomorrow. And he has an amazing, amazing, amazing channel. He has amazing content. If you guys are familiar, we're on the warpath you know what i'm talking about and if you aren't tomorrow is the perfect time to tap in for the first time to support bleeding bng but also my man Corey sanchez sanchez over there on the warpath we'll be going on at 7 p.m 
So that's tomorrow, Wednesday, August 18th at 7 p.m. We're going to drop a lot of gems, and we're actually going to be previewing the Cincinnati Bengals um, game against the Washington football team as well. All right, so all that is out of the way. Now it's time to give you the five things to look for in this rendition of our preseason breakdown or our preseason preview. So the first thing that I want you guys to look for is, is the Jared Patterson show going to roll on? Shout out to my guy, Jared Patterson, man, family friend. Um, I love Jared Patterson with all my heart. Uh, I've known Jared Patterson since he's about six, seven years old. And um, he actually showed up and showed out. And I was, you know, I, was, I was so happy and so amazed to see it. He had 70 all-purpose yards um, where he had 40 rushing yards on 10 carries. And then he had 30 um, receiving yards. So he had an average of about 4 yards per carry, which is, which is solid. Which is solid. If you, hey, if you average 4 yards per carry, you're going to get a, a first down after three, 3 downs every time. That's just how simple math works. And he was somebody that contributed on special teams as well. Even Chase Young, who is a, fan, who is a friend of Jared, as you guys know of their history he mentioned how jared blew up somebody on special teams so jared patterson just showed up and showed out uh, i think that his play was kind of the result of lamar miller being cut on sunday um right after you know the next uh, practice that the washington football team had after the game because jared patterson showed some things that you know i didn't even know he, i knew he had it but i didn't even i didn't know that he had it on an nfl level like the catch he had out of the backfield on the sidelines um to get them down to the two-yard lines, that was an amazing catch, but you have to get low to the ground, get your arms and your uh, hands up under the ball to secure the catch, and that's something that he didn't really show and exhibit a lot at Buffalo, so he really he really showed up and showed out, and then um, I know it was mentioned um, throughout Washington football team reporters and things like that over the course of the last couple of practices that he's starting to take return duties on kick and punt a return, which I am ecstatic to hear, because one of the first comps that Coach Rivera gave you when we first signed Jerry Patterson after the draft was Darren Sproles and if you know Darren Sproles was a special teams demon he gave it to you any which way it was if you go look at Darren Sproles all-purpose yards a lot of those came from the special teams component of the game and I I, 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 I love that comparison for Jared Patterson because he's compact built I know he can take a hit he's somebody that's taking a pounding he's, he's had games of 30 carries in college so you know he, he's shown the durability to last and even Mitch Tischler mentioned how he was holding up and passing against some of the huge linebackers on our roster. And that's something that I just know Jared Patterson to be all his life. Just a little pit ball, little pit bull that's going to fight, scratch, and claw. And um, the return news is actually something that got me excited because, you know, that, that can actually secure his um, spot. And it might actually cut one of the receivers off who is um, who we may have to keep as um, fulfilling a, you know, sole return role. Somebody like a DeAndre Carter. It may give you the flexibility to keep somebody that can contribute more as a receiver if you think that's Antonio Gandy-Golden or Steven Sims Jr., Somebody like that. So Jared Patterson in that return role excites me a lot. Another reason that, that um, Jared Patterson in the return role excites me a lot is because I think I have an inkling that he may be working with um, one Washington football team legend. Somebody that was pretty dominant in the return game. I don't know who. I don't know where. But I think I have an inkling. I think I think a little birdie. I think I heard that through the grapevine that Jared Patterson may be getting tips from a Washington football team legend in the return game. Somebody that dominated that game in the NFL, that aspect of the game in the NFL. Like I said, I don't know who. I don't know why. Just heard it through the grapevine. Um, so that's the first thing to um, look through for the Washington football team against the Cincinnati Bengals. Is, is the Jared Patterson show going to roll on? Is the Jared Patterson show going to roll on? Because it got off to a steaming start against the New England Patriots in week one. 
Number two, can Samus Reyes capitalize on this opportunity? My guy, Samis Reyes, the Chilean bulldozing Optimus Prime superstar. Guys, he's a physical freak. I remember watching, just looking at him when I was down there in Richmond. He stands out among elite athletes. It's just somebody, his physique. He has veins popping out of veins. He has veins in his forehead. He has veins in his wrist. He has veins where you, I didn't even know you had veins in your body. Like, it's crazy. He got an eight pack. Like, it's, and, and he exuded, he showed that, he exhibited that on his second catch. Granted, it was a bobble catch, which both of his catches were. He has to work on that, but we have to remember that this guy is playing in his second, I mean, his first, excuse me, he's playing in his first football game ever on any level peewee pop warner collegiate middle school he has never played football with organized referees with with scrimmage lines and things like that ever before and for somebody that did that and he was placed um fourth on the depth chart i definitely think he capitalized on he took advantage of that moment and actually rose up the depth chart with his performance against the new england patriots like i said guys he's physically dominant you saw in his second catch after he bobbled it the safety tried to try to hit him low and he knocked the safety out i don't even think sammy saw the safety and he still knocked him out and he popped right back up it's like hitting a brick wall and this is a guy like we've talked about before who's who was who was had who has freakish workout numbers running a four six with a 40 inch vertical with over 30 reps in the bench press of 225 pounds guys this is the type of guy that you want to develop and you want to keep in your program if you guys can remember in the final 53 man projection that i had i actually had samis making a um, roster because due to the fact that we signed him to a contract we would have to release him and i doubt that he makes rape waivers because those type of athletes just don't grow on trees they just don't grow on trees and the reason that i mentioned is he going able is he able to capitalize on this moment is because guys that were ahead of him on the depth chart in the first initial depth chart release guys like tameric hemingway and ricky sales jones did not did not stand out in the least bit in their game against the New England Patriots. Ricky Seals Jones, he's he's more of a receiver built in the first place. I'm, and he, I don't think that he's going to give you much in the run game. So he has to be quasi-dominant in the pass game. And he granted it was a tough catch, but he dropped the catch in the end zone. And then a guy like Tameric Hemeray, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I actually had high hopes for you because you were looking pretty good in Richmond. I think Chase Young had lit that fire under your, your belly, if you know what I'm talking about, with the little training camp spat that you guys had. But you actually came out and performed in those practices after so well that it actually had me thinking, is he going to overtake John Bates for the tight end two role? And that's actually what he was listed on the depth chart. But he had a pitiful pool performance against the New England Patriots. Now, I do want to give him an out, and I mentioned this yesterday on my Twitter page. I think that he played half of that game with a concussion. Because if you go look back at the 650 in the second quarter when Taylor Heineke threw him a 50-50 ball and he fell on his head, he laid down for about three seconds, then popped up. And his play was terrible from then on out. He was getting ran over in pass pro. He was getting ran over run blocking. It, it, was, it was horrible. It was horrible. It, was, it didn't look like any anything like the guy that I saw in Richmond. And I don't know if it was due to the concussion. I think it was, though, because now he's in the concussion protocol, which is unfortunate for him. Because I think he's in a position now where he's battling for his roster spot, especially with a guy like Sam East taking over uh, when he when he went down. Um, a guy like Sam East, what Coach Rivera said, he might actually be the most physical blocker on this team. Listen to what, that, what he said, guys. And, and Coach Rivera isn't a guy known to blow smoke. 
I do think that he's kind of wanting to motivate the other guys because he wants to. He wants those other guys to work as hard as Sam says. If you guys have seen on the beat and on Twitter reports and things like that, this is the guy that's catching on the judge machines after practice. It was a viral video going out yesterday where he was working on his blocking techniques after practice. And if a guy wants it that bad, this is the guy that was driving DoorDash to make ends meet while living up here, trying to trying to become a Washington football team member. Remember, he said this is the only team that he really wanted to play for. So you know he's going to do all it takes to make this roster. And I love it. I love it. He got emotional in his press conference, and rightfully so, because he's the first Chilean-born football player to ever log a down in the NFL game, even if it was preseason. And he's a motivation to the youth. And I just salute you, Samis Reyes, and I hope that you take a, you take advantage of this opportunity because I see, I see the work that you're putting in, my guy. I see the work that you're putting in, my guy, and I hope that it pays off. So that was the second thing that we're going to look at with the Washington football team's game against the Cincinnati Bengals is can Samis Reyes capitalize on this moment? On to number three, 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 Jamin Davis. I hate to say it, Jamin Davis. It's just Jamin Davis. Um, Jamin Davis looked very hesitant in the week one opener against the New England Patriots. And it's something that I noticed on film, but... On his college film at Kentucky, but I think that I let his athletic traits, you know, kind of, kind of oversee what I was seeing in film, which, which, which we can, which we can do in the draft process, which a lot of evaluators can do. By no means am I evaluated, but which a lot of normal people can do once they see that a guy's running four three speed. He may look like he's reading that play a little faster because you know he's possessing four three speed and things like that. But if you go back and watch Jamin Davis's film at Kentucky, he wasn't necessarily a downhill thumper at all. At all. And my thing with him transitioning to the Mike linebacker position is that you need that's that's the position where you need your enforcer on the defense the most. I and I think that he has the athletic traits and the physical capabilities to do it, but I think that he's not mentally processing the plays and the play recognition isn't coming to him as fast as it needs to be to excel at a middle linebacker role in the NFL. And it was kind of bothering me. One thing that I did notice and I do want to commend him on is I did see him getting better later in the game because the first couple of snaps were rough with him and John Bostic. I do not think that John Bostic can play that uh, short side linebacker role at all. He just doesn't have the speed. I don't think he can play the weak side linebacker at all either. If you can see he was behind on a couple pitches and things like that, that's why I think that they they're they're pairing him with Jamin Davis so that some of his speed can make up for what John Bostic is lacking. But if the mental processing and the play recognition isn't there for Jamin Davis, he's gonna be a step he's gonna be just as slow as John Bostic. If you can catch what I'm saying. And the thing that that really struck out to me about Jamin Davis in the week one preseason opener against the Patriots is that he was actually looking pretty confused in zone coverage as well, which I thought he was a lead at on the college level. If you can see him, he knows about he in college. He looked like he seemed to understand bracket coverages and things like that. He was an uh, amazing hook zone defender covering the intermediate routes like digs and ends and things like that. He had a couple great reps against Kyle Pitts. But if you looked in the, in the couple of reps that he had in preseason week one, he looked just as lost as the other linebackers. And something that we've seen over the course of the last couple of years with the Washington football team with the linebacker play. So that was kind of bothersome to me, especially if he's going to play that middle linebacker role because initially when he was drafted with pick number 19, I thought that he was going to play the weak side linebacker role. Um, 
because he just has the the, the skill set to to perfect perf, perfectly fit that that role of you know that weak side linebacker that's going to play the long side of the field that's going to be chasing down those pitches and those reverses that's going to be covering your tight ends and things like that. I didn't necessarily want John Bostic as staying on the field in that middle linebacker role, but that's what I ideally had planned when they um, drafted Jamin Davis coming out of the University of Kentucky. But then you know they they inserted Jamin Davis at middle linebacker from day one, which I which I which I understand because like I said, he's the he's the he has all the physical capabilities to be one of the top five inside linebackers in the NFL. Like this is a guy six four. Who should it should be difficult to throw over? Who's running a four three? Who it should be difficult to run away from, right? So I mean, you know, it's it's week one. You know, linebacker is one of the most difficult positions to play in the NFL. So you know, it doesn't worry me at a, a lot, but it does raise my antennas a little bit. And I am looking to see what Jamin Davis does in week two against the Cincinnati Bengals. Hopefully, he does have a better game. Um, I do want to touch on the linebackers really quick, and I'm going to get off this. I'm just going to touch base on this really quick, and I'm going to get off this. Um. Like I, like I was saying, John Boston can't, can't – can't, if he's not going to play the middle linebacker role with his smarts, he is a smart player, and his instincts is going to, you know, be beneficial, he cannot play the strong or the weak side linebacker role. And if you're going to keep Jamin Davis at that middle um, linebacker role, which I don't mind – which I think he can excel at. We need to bring in a guy like KJ Wright. We need to bring in a guy like KJ Wright who is still on the waiver rise, who is still a free agent, who is still a dominant player. If you look and see that he, he made the NFL top 100 in the same 10 that was mentioned with Chase Young. So, you know, he's switching positions. He's somebody that can play the weak and the strong side linebacker because he played the strong side linebacker just as good as he last year, which was his first season playing it, just as good as he's been playing the weak side linebacker all his career. So, Washington football team, anybody in Ashburn, anybody at Washington football team park, or whatever you're calling it these days, please give KJ Wright a ring, especially if you're going to keep Jamin Davis at middle linebacker. Moving on to number four, 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 another player. I'm looking at another player and another player on the defense. William Jackson. This one is, this one is you, my man. Everybody knows if you if you're a day one bleeding BNG fan, if you've been with bleeding BNG from the beginning, you know William Jackson was my favorite free agent signing because I've seen him dominate on the NFL level. Um, unlike I've seen any in, any of our other free agent signings, especially I mean, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick, but even a guy like Curtis Samuel, who I love, I haven't seen him dominate on the NFL level like I've seen William Jackson, who had a dominant 2017 season. Like I told you before, I've seen I saw him lock up a prime Antonio Brown, like I've never seen another corner in history lock up Antonio Brown. And granted, it was a couple of years ago, but. The reports coming out of Washington football team campus, it's, it's, it's going rough for you, man. And it's not just the reports. I saw it in Richmond. You were getting touched by Terry. But now the reports are saying you're getting touched by everybody, bro. William Jackson, what's going on? Are we going to have to change your name to William Norman? I would hate for that to happen. I would hate for that to happen because I was rooting for you so heavy. Go back and look at my free agent episodes, guys. William, William Jackson is my guy. WJ3, that's my guy. You can see the pain in my face. You can see the pain in my face as I'm talking about this. But you've been getting torched all camp. And it's giving me Josh Norman flashbacks, William Jackson. So I'm going to need you to get a grip and lock it up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need you to, to bring it all back. I'm going to need you to get the prime WJ3, the man I know you can be. Because if, even if you listen to his interview that he had on Sunday, 
a lot of his answers like, yeah, everything is 100% new to me. This technique is, a, this this system is 100% new to me. It's like he didn't even have an answer or a reason. And that's what bothered me the most because he didn't know why he was struggling. You know, if, so if a guy knows why he's struggling and the techniques that, that, that can fix that, you know, if he has the elite capabilities that William Jackson has, this is a guy that runs 4-3 with 33-inch arms. They should be able to, to to fix it. But if you can't get if you can't understand why you're getting cooked and why you're getting burnt, then I don't know what to do with you, William Jackson. And the reason that this game is so important to you, because you're playing against your former team. And I'm not saying that you talked a lot, but you you done talked a lot. You done you done talked about them Cincinnati Bengals in, in, a, in a negative light. So I think that they're gonna target you. I think that they're gonna target you often and early. And if you come up to play, hey, I think they're going to shy away because it's not like they have any elite quarterback play, and it's not like you're going to be playing a lot of reps. But if we can go back to week one, guys, our defense was looking dominant. And then William Jackson gives up a 20-yard dig route to a receiver, and then the Patriots go on their first scoring drive. So it's just, it's just, it's just an accumulation of things. I'm trying not to overreact. It is still the middle of August. And like I said, he is getting adjusted to a newer system. This is a guy who is a press man corner through and through. And when he locked up Antonio Brown and a lot of the other receivers in the NFL, that's exactly what he was doing, where his back was to the quarterback and he was just playing straight man. That's why his interception numbers aren't as high. But I think that Coach Del Rio and Coach Rivera's philosophy, matter of fact, I know, is that they want to create a lot of turnovers. If you go back and look at, you know, the Carolina Panthers that year under Coach Rivera where they made the Super Bowls, they led the league in creating turnovers. I know that that's one of their, that's both of their defensive philosophies. Is They want to play, they want to create a lot of um, turnovers and play a lot of zone. And honestly, if you look at the roster, I think that with the exception of Benjamin St. Juice, because I think he might be a hybrid capable of playing both, I think that William Jackson is the only other DB suited on the roster where the man system fits him best. Now, I know that he was great at that, and I know that he says of that, but that's like, that's like fitting a, a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to happen. Now, I do want to put some of the onus on the coaches. You guys, you guys have, to, have to incorporate some man. We can run some cloud lock screens where we're zoning on one side and have William Jackson locked on the backside. But we have to put our, our big free agent signings in positions to excel. And William Jackson, I'm going to need you to understand why you're getting burnt. I'm going to need you to fix it. I'm going to need you to learn how to play with your eyes to the quarterback, which is essential playing through the receiver in zone coverage. Look at me talking that football. Like I told y'all. Like I told y'all. Bleeding B&G, we really know what's going on. We really know what's going on out on that football field. That's why you need to use us as your number one hub for the Washington football team. Everything, everything. Who else is going to give you a game, a breakdown like that in the Washington football team community? I love you guys, but just talking ball to ball, I don't think anybody can, honestly. Let's go on to number five. Item number five that I want to look at, the last and final item that I want to look at as the Washington football team gets set to face the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field um, this Friday is the wide receiver battle. That's just what it is. It's the wide receiver battle. I'm still curious to see if we keep six or seven wide receivers. I mentioned earlier in the pod with Jared Patterson's, if he shows the ability to return kicks and punts like that, that may slice off one of the receivers with us keeping six, um, may chop one of the receivers off the chopping block with us keeping six receivers, um, and us not necessarily needing that um, return specialist. Um, but I, hey, I'm still interested to see what goes on in the wide receiver battle. If you look at the rotations from Thursday, it was Cam Sims and Terry McLaurin that were out there first with the ones. 
And then De'Ami Brown and DeAndre Carter came out next. And then Steve Smith, Antonio Gandy, Golden rotated then. And then Kelvin Harmon came in after. After Thursday, I knew it was done for Kelvin Harmon. I don't. I don't want to be a revisionist. I don't want to go back to revisionist history and be like, "Oh, I, I knew it. I, I, I could have told you Kelvin Harmon was getting cut." If you just look at how many reps he got though, and look at who he got him with. All his reps were with Stephen Montez. Stephen Montez will be cut at the end of this camp. I love Kelvin Harmon. I thought that he came back pretty good from 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 um, you know his ACL. He looked pretty decent in Richmond. But he's been getting 14 reps all camp. Everything I saw, even in the Friday night football, he didn't practice in the Friday night football. Everything that I saw in Richmond was with the fourth team, and he was working with Steven Montez. And then he goes out Thursday and doesn't catch a pass. The prospects wasn't looking too bright for Kelvin Harmon after Thursday. AGG, what's up, my guy? You faked everybody out thinking you caught a two-point conversion, tucked the ball under your arm like it was the first touchdown you scored in your life. And it wasn't even a touchdown. Y'all see my man AGG really keep hold that ball and wasn't letting it go. He dabbing everybody up with the left hand. With the disrespectful left hand. Just keeping that ball in his right. Because he's like, oh. Because he, he know he might not get one of those again. I'm, I haven't really been impressed with AGG throughout camp, guys. Um, it's just the, 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 he just, the, the coordination doesn't seem there. He seems stiff. He doesn't seem loose in his hips. Um, he seems to trip over his feet at times. And that's really, honestly, when I started to panic about William Jackson is when I saw AGG beat him on a route ye in yesterday's practice. I was like, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my God. Oh, my, no, no. Something's happened. Somebody did this. But honestly, I'm, I'm not the biggest, the highest, um, the highest on AGG. Honestly, um, I think DeAndre Carter has an edge on him because DeAndre Carter did well in his returns um, on um, last Thursday. He averaged 19 yards um, on his punt returns. And I, like I said, he was in um, before AGG. And going back to AGG, like, you fooled us, bro. You really thought you caught that two-point conversion. And then everybody in the Washington football team community with their rose-tinted lenses. No, he caught that. It never dropped. It never hit the ground. What are you talking about? Go look at the New England Patriots feed. My boy dropped the ball. The ball rolled around on the ground for a couple seconds. And then he grabbed it and tucked it and, and hugged it. Like, come on, come on. And then he really, he really, hmm, hmm, hmm. I got a bone to pick with AGG because he really faked me out. I was really hyped for him when he caught that two-point conversion. Now, I really thought that he really caught it the way that he tucked that ball off and would have let it go to the sidelines. But So the thing that I'm looking for for this wide receiver battle is who gets these reps early. Like I said, DeAndre Carter was a guy who impressed me. Dax Mill is a guy who impressed me. Dax Mill is a guy who's been getting sporadic first-team reps throughout this week, so he impressed Ron as well, not only on offense but in the return game. I think he averaged 19, punt, uh, 19 yards on his punt return as well. Steven Sims Jr., while he did have a good catch, didn't really do much on his punt return, and it's kind of what we've been seeing for the last year out of Steven Sims Jr. So, I mean, hey, this wide receiver battle is in flux. Do we keep six? Do we keep seven? Who, who do we keep? I'm going to let you know now. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, De'Ami Brown, and Cam Sims are locks. These other guys, they can battle it out. And uh, the, one thing I do want to touch on, the prospects of my 53-man projection. While I do have some hits I'm proud of, a guy like Isaiah Wright is not looking too good for you. You see, I didn't even mention you in the wide receiver battle. Um, 
I don't think Isaiah Wright's making this team, and it's unfortunate because I was I was a big Isaiah Wright fan coming out of Temple, and you know, in the in the limited things that he showed you last year, you know, I thought he had potential. I thought he had an NFL body. Um, when I was on with um, Big Doug and Pooh, he um, Pooh made a comparison. He was like a less explosive Cordero Patterson, and that was the perfect comparison because Isaiah Wright isn't a natural receiver at all. If you look at his route running, it's sloppy. He doesn't use a lot of stems. He's like he's like a tweener, and he's not the fastest. So I mean, we'll we'll go back to my 53 man roster projection when final cuts do happen. But I just wanted to touch base on that, and we're gonna wrap up with that. Like I told you guys, this is gonna be a short, quick episode because I am going on on the warpath to preview this game with my guy Corey Sanchez tomorrow at seven o'clock. Be sure to tune in to that. Be sure to tap into our social media pages. If you're following us, if you're if you're listening to us right now, we're on all podcast platforms. If you're on YouTube, you can search Bleeding Burgundy and Goat or search my name, Jalen Morgan, and all of our content will pop up. Please tap into our social medias. Please tap into our social medias. Our Instagram is at Bleeding B-N-G. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. B-N-G. And I'll leave the tag for my YouTube fam to see. And our Twitter is at BleedingBNG, but the spelling is a tad bit different. That was B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And like I said, guys, football season is here. We're looking to push these episodes out to you and get you as much content as possible. Use us as your number one content hub for everything Washington football team. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to tap into our social media pages. We, we, we make at least one post every day. And we're very active on Twitter, as you can see. So please be sure to check into the Bleeding B&G podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this one. I'll tune in to you later. Peace.